change is inevitable and adjusting to change is just part of the natural process. So, when dealing with change, are we truly adaptively adjusting to change? Or are we just going with the flow not knowing that the way of our adjustment is the right way and is going to bring benefits to us in the long run? And this is the Young Psychologist Podcast. Hello, hello and welcome everybody. Thank you for tuning in again to the Young Psychologist Podcast where it's a platform where we discuss um, topics and um, conversations around mental health with the aim to normalize this conversation, this well-stigmatized conversations in um, the Malaysian context and just to provide a greater awareness to the public on um, this related content and to provide more insights for people so that these conversations can be much more um, normalized and much more um, comfortable to talk with with your friends with and especially to those who are um, experiencing psychological distress they can be very much well validated through our podcast so I'm Jefferson, your host and your young psychologist for today. And thank you again to turning in to our podcast. Uh, I understand that yes, yes, and I understand that there has been, you know, um, a two months delay. Um, despite you know my promise saying that this podcast is gonna be um two week, um podcast. I mean, uh, a new episode every two weeks. But uh, apparently, this has become a two month. Um, podcast so the new episode came out after two months of break so um, yeah I'm so sorry for that I truly apologize for that and hopefully that everything um, once I've settled down everything is gonna be much better because over these past two months there have been a lot of changes with um, my life my career my education and there's I'm going through something on my own as well I'm very much otherwise occupied and you know with all these thing changes going on i've been going through my own turmoils going my own um distress i'm physically and mentally sick over the past two months because of these changes and um because of my yeah i've i've very much a very poor difficulty in making a making more adaptive adjustment lately i'm not sure why but um through my self-reflection i've realized that maybe i I just need a break because i've been working so much since um, my master's degree i didn't really have much time for rest and over the past two months i've given myself ample time just to get a proper rest before um, studying my new new placement so yeah, I'm actually currently placed in a new um clinical setting. So that's one of my um stresses, one of my issues when it comes to changes as well, because previously it was um the population I was dealing with were people with cancer, I mean persons affected by cancer, and now with the new clinical setting, it's more towards um psychiatric disorders and neurocognitive um disturbances. So there's a lot um, it's a very steep learning curve for me, I would say, and these are 
would say this other contribution to my stresses at this moment. But I'm okay. I'm I'm trying to adjust well and I'm trying to make use of um the knowledge that I have to in order to make a more adaptive adjustment. And we're back. So after two months, after a good rest. And I, and I sometimes just believe that, you know, people we all need rest. Um based on my last um episode where we talked about like burnout. So burnout after getting burnt out, we all need um, the appropriate time of rest. Um, and I would say different people uh, have different amount of, I mean, a period of time that they would need to rest. And some people get, they can like just uh, have their well, uh, get well rested over the weekend. And some may need um, a longer period of time. And for me, I'm those people that need a longer period of time. I couldn't just imagine myself getting the, uh, the well-needed amount of rest over just you know, the two days weekend. For me, I would really need like at least, you know, a week or a two or two weeks just to really get myself rested, just to recharge my battery before I can go back into what I was supposed to do, right? So for us today, it's two months rest and hopefully again, hopefully everything will be back on track after um two months so right so um right i I will promise that i'll be more consistent right now and hopefully everything's gonna be better right okay so right so yeah so today we're gonna be talking about um adaptive as you can see from our title adaptive i would say adaptive is an act for change because um Right, change is an event, inevitable process, right, as mentioned in our opening. Um, every, in every time, we'll have change. Even, right, sitting right now, there's gonna be something that's changing inside of you or changing around you that we would actually need the skills to adjust to them properly. And I understand that everyone have their own uh, way to adjust to change and everyone would actually be Mm, everyone have their own comfort zone, you know, when it comes to adjusting to change and different people have different way of adjusting to change. But the reason why I would like to, you know, bring this up to discuss in um, today's episode is that I realized some, although um, we call it as uh, adaptive or um, adaptive adjustment, but um, it might not be a really a very adaptive way of adjusting to change. Um as mentioned in our previous episode, right, um, the difference between adaptive and maladaptive behavior. So, um, adaptive um, adjustment would be some uh, ways that we cope with our stresses in a way that it actually brings benefit or it actually brings um, help to um, truly cope with that um, situations or stresses without any um, adverse effect or without any downside of um any downside to our um, psychological well-being. Lah, right? And maladaptive adjustment, although some people may think um, um, this way of adjusting to change, adjusting to their stresses can be um, helpful for them, but sometimes this way might not be helpful in the long run or eventually it might actually um, bring more harm than good. So today, um, I'm just going to bring these um, conversations here to discuss and to really you know, bring more insight about what are the ways that is truly adjust, um, truly adaptive or what are the ways that are maybe adaptive for you but 
from someone, um, seeing from someone from a third party may not be um, as adaptive as you might think. Right. Okay, so maybe before going to um, the ways of adjusting, we can actually um, get a better understanding of um, in what circumstances that we need adjust adjustment. Right, so other than uh, when... Um, a situation that has some changes, stresses can be um, the reason why we need to adjust to them as well, right? So other than ch- as mentioned, other than change stresses, for example, like a change in workplace, which is in my case um, a month ago, uh, a change in my workplace from my previous uh, workplace, which I was so comfortable over, like. Um, half a year and suddenly the change in workplace change in my clinical settings actually bring some sort of stresses to me especially when this workplace I w- um, they are um, I don't want to like throw some throw any shades in this work car- my current workplace but there are some significant stresses I can see and experience myself in this um, new setting new placement so this um a change in this workplace actually brings um the need for me to adjust and it's actually one of my significant stresses over the past week uh past month sorry right so other than a change in workplace um people going through like a divorce or exposure to um, any significant trauma can be a significant stresses to them as well and they have um they actually need to adjust to these stresses because i can imagine like um, people going through divorce, they have to adjust to an, a new relationship, they have to adjust to their shift of roles, maybe brief, um, previously they are a husband, a father, and right now maybe through a divorce, they have to adjust in this, they have to make adjustment in these roles. So like, like for example, the custody of their children can actually be um, given to someone else. So um, their roles have actually changed and they have they need to make adjustment to their lifestyle. You can imagine that divorce is such um, a stressful period, such a stressful thing for people to go through. And some people may not um, actually um, adaptively adjust to these stresses. Um, same goes to exposure to trauma. Um, trauma can be any form of experiences that um, like significantly stressing, for example, like um, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, physical ab- abuse, uh, or a witness of something traumatic can be um, a significant stressor as well. And trauma can actually lingers around uh, our memory, lingers around our um, within our minds, our thought for a very long period of time. And if we didn't have an, a proper way to adjust to it, to cope with it, then it can actually lead to a more significant um, issue, for example, like PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So again, these stresses are something that we need to make proper adjustment and to make, um, just to find out the, the best way that it can um, benefit these individuals in the long run. Right. So other than um, this, I would say a um, person suddenly being diagnosed with a chronic illness can be a significant stress as well that requires a lot of adjustment. For example, people diagnosed with cancer, they have to make significant adjustment to their lifestyle. In my previous setting where I was dealing with people with cancer, right, I've heard so much stories about how they have to adjust their, um, their way of um, 
of seeing their health, their way of dealing with their health, their way, their dietary restrictions, and even their lifestyle. They have to make adjustment to it. For example, or one of the stories that I had was um, one of my patients before. She was a very active person. In uh, she was a workaholic, right? She would actually um, occupy herself. Very much, and then she would fill her schedules out to the brim that where she don't have much time for rest to herself, and then she she would see herself that she can't stay, she can't sit still, she have to um keep herself moving. It's like she's being driven by a motor. So by uh going through cancer, she has to you know take a break from her work, um to go through chemotherapy, to go through radiotherapy, in which this therapy requires a lot of rest, requires a lot of time where she needs to, you know, just sit in um as an outpatient, sit in a ward for um the treatment. So actually, she actually had a lot of difficulties adjusting to these um changes, and actually it. Um. Eventually, uh, with her difficulty in adjusting to it, she eventually, um, developed some other psychological disorders. For example, she developed um, um, depressive disorder where she she couldn't find her way to get back to her usual self, which is her previous self, because of um, the illness because of the cancer. So chronic illness can leads to a lot of um needs, um, to people. To make proper adjustment, not just um, not just cancer. I would say, like people who has a multiple sclerosis, where they um their nerve cells actually start to degenerate, and then they might um has a risk for um paralysis, and they might have difficulties in their mobility. So I currently has one patient um, she's going through multiple sclerosis, and she had. Very significant um difficulty in adjusting to, um her difficult uh her disability, um she is currently wheelchair bounded, so she find it quite difficult to adjust to um the um the surroundings environment in our world that is adjusted to um people who are able to walk with their two feet. So when she's wheelchair bounded, she couldn't um she couldn't go to certain places because they don't they are not um they are not um disability friendly. They're not wheelchair friendly, sorry, they are not wheelchair friendly. Like sh- she would being forced to um sit outside um I mean wait outside in certain places because those places are not accessible for her. So these are the adjustments that ha- they have to go through. Not just in um this functionality, even your household um environment sh- um even your household environment they need significant adjustment as well. For example, um her um for example the places that she used to go, uh, the table heights and everything, everything requires changes and all this requires adjustment. And with people who have um difficulty adjusting to these um changes, it can eventually lead to um different more significant or more concerning clinical disorders, for example, um, depressive disorders, and then anxiety disorders, significant feelings of hopelessness, worthlessness. All these are, um, all these can result from maladaptive adjustment or maladaptive acceptance towards their changes. 
Right, so um, another thing that uh, can actually lead to difficulty in adjustment or maladaptive adjustment if um, is a death of a loved one. For example, like someone uh, who has their um, parents or who has their um, loved one who passed away and they um, li- are actually living with them for a long time. And with their passing, they actually have to um, adjust to this um, sense of emptiness, to this loneliness as well. Um, for example, previously maybe um, their house can be filled with joy with um, this person and then with this person's passing, the, the house is suddenly become very quiet and then um, they would just feel like something uh, apart in their life has actually lost and they have to make, they have to make adjustments, they have to go through the process of grief, go through a process of acceptance of this, um, of the death and with uh, without proper adjustment, they can actually lead to difficulties. They can actually lead to um, severe sadness, depression, severe bereavement, or even depressive disorders. And re- with the uh, revised um, DSM-5 right now, we have a new disorders, which is the prolonged um, grief disorder. So this can actually, all these are all just a result of maladaptive adjustment, maladaptive use of coping mechanism to adjust to these changes. So you can see like these stresses can be a uh, quite a normal um, thing that's going, that's happening around us, like a change in workplace, right? Or even something that's happened so significantly or so suddenly, these changes are actually the can be quite common in our life and can be common in our daily life and it can just happen out of nowhere so we have to you know uh, equip ourselves with the proper way of adjusting to this change and adjust and cope with these stresses right so you may have you may have like you know hear me saying a lot of like terms using um, adaptive uh, and maladaptive adjustment so what actually are adaptive uh, adjustment and actually what can you uh, what can we um, categorize this way of doing or way of coping with changes as maladaptive so i would say as um, going back to our previous episode um, adaptive um, behaviors or uh, adaptive way of doing things is um, something that can actually bring benefits to us in the long run while maladaptive although it can bring um, benefits in that particular immediate um um, situation but it might not be a very good way to deal with it in the long run right so some of the examples of adaptive adjustment can uh, include um, adjusting our lifestyle to match with the change for example like i'm um, just now talking about chronic illness right some people who are um, suddenly wheelchair bound so adjusting their lifestyle based on their ability during that time can be a way of um, adjusting to their change adaptively. For example, um, maybe um, for uh, for example, adjusting their their way of their living. Maybe previously they are they their um their their bedroom is um on the second floor. So maybe adjusting to it to um the first floor to the ground floor can be a good way to adjust to it. Or um, making their um, life or making their work uh, revolve around their 
um, ability. So let's say even though they may be wheelchair bound, by but um their um upper limbs can still be functional. So by adjusting their lifestyle based on their ability can be a way to adjust to the change to these changes um in a more adaptive way, because I can see how people can be so um so beaten down by their inability to walk, inability to um use their two feet to walk. But in another way, they are actually still able to um move around. Just that their way of moving can be very much different from others, but they are still able to move. And it's not it's actually not their fault that they are unable to access to um some some places. It's totally not their fault that they are wheelchair bounded, and it's very unfair for them to live in this world where. Everything is revolved around the so-called normal people, where we are able to walk in uh, with their with our two feet. So actually, it's not their fault. It's just that they are living in a cruel world, where things are revolved around the so-called normal people, and it's totally not their fault. And I would say personally, I would say that they shouldn't be the one doing the change, but the society, the environment should be adjusting to change to these people because um to in to just um be more inclusive to these people, right? As um you can see in a lot of places like in shopping malls, you can see a uh, ramps for um people um with a wheelchair. So this, I would say. Um, a lot of places should have this kind of accessibility. Like I was quite disappointed because right now, uh, when I was uh, when I'm going to work, right, I'm I was using the public transport. Uh, I was using the LRT, the train. So um, there are a lot of these stations. They are not well equipped with any elevator or any ramps for these um people with um difficulty moving around with their two limbs or people who are wheelchair bounded. To use these、uh, facilities, to use these services, and I can imagine how how frustrated um these people would be if they are going, you know, they are struggling to go out and then to reach that point and realize that these services actually not accessible to them, and then they are they need to find other alternative which can cost them,、uh, you know, a longer time, a longer period of time, or it can even cost them more in terms of、uh, the money. In terms of man, in terms of money, right? So, like, let's say some people they can't use um um the public transport. They have to, like, um go to Grab. They have to ask for e-hailing services, and it actually costs them a lot more as compared to taking public transport. So. Is oh yeah. So going back to、um, adaptive adjustment, right? So I would say some people sometimes um these people um with wheelchair they're actually adjusting properly, but just that when it comes to all this um inaccessibility, they sometimes will may fail to adjust to this um environment properly. So it's again, it's not their fault. It's it's something that um the government, the country, the society needs to. Do in order t- in order to include them as you know just a normal citizen as just someone who is still going about who someone still have the rights to use these services. So it's not to say that we have to ad- it's not to say they have to adjust to us, but we have actually need to adjust to them, and not just partly to them, but we have to adjust to 
um, different set of people, different population. And yeah, so there's so much more to be done. And but I would say that sometimes um, knowing people who have this, um, I would say disability, but difficulty in um, um, assessing or difficulty in making full use of their full capabilities, um, they are actually quite a well resilient person. And I can see a lot of examples from my patients. They are actually quite resilient, but sometimes it's just that when it comes to environment, it can, they can actually break down. And their resilience can actually break down just because um, the world doesn't fit around them. Right, okay. So another um, example of adaptive adjustment is that when people have proper emotional regulation. So if you can remember again the, the different type of stresses that uh, I've mentioned, right? About like, for example, change in workplace, divorce, exposure to trauma, all these stresses can result in significant emotional expression. So with um, emotional expressions come to uh, with emotional uh, expression, it, of course, people will need a proper emotional expression and proper emotional regulation. So, uh, when I would always say that when people has um, a good way of um, regulating their emotion, they they can actually uh, achieve a good adjustment. They can actually achieve adaptive adjustment to their stresses. For example, people going through divorce, um, I can see a lot of examples. People are frustrated, people are in denial, people are holding grudges towards um, their significant others um, because of the divorce. So this uh, are actually a result of poor emotional regulation where they are unable to regulate these negative emotions in a more adaptive, in a more, um, in a more beneficial way to their emotional well-being so if someone who is going through a divorce are able to accept divorce able to um not just accepting it but to live with it with proper emotions with the right emotions in the right time so these are actually adaptive adjustments similarly going to um, going with um people who um, actually lost someone um through actually lost someone like um, who who just passed away right so significant grief prolonged grief can be actually a, a, a sign of maladaptive adjustment but those who actually gone through um, the grieving process and eventually accept um, accepted the death can be a good uh, adaptive um, adjustment and at the same time adaptive a uh, good emotional regulation because they have truly accepted the death and able to move on their life in a more beneficial way, in a more functional way. Right. So these are um, the um, types of adjustment I would say in, in terms of more adaptive. So now let's go into let's go to um the the um, different adjustment styles or adjustment behaviors that I would say is maladaptive. Right, so a very much um not say popular but a very much common um behaviors that people um with um, underlying um, psychological disorders may try to um establish to themselves is avoidance behavior. So for example, people with social anxiety disorders, it's very common for them to avoid social settings because these settings are the stresses to them, uh, the, the the reasons for their anxieties, the reason for their panic attacks. So they will eventually avoid 
um, these social situations. Right, although avoiding these situations can actually provide a temp a relief for them, um, because they they wouldn't experience anxiety right when they avoided the situations. But try to think back again. How much can you actually avoid? this um, situation for example a person with social anxiety disorders actually find it very difficult to go out to um, public for example like going out to the supermarket and they totally avoided um, going to going to super, supermarkets for grocery shop, shopping so how many times can you actually avoid this um, these chances or these opportunities to go out I mean is it every time that you need to buy something that you will wait until uh, the wee hours when no one's in the supermarket and then you only go it? And this can bring so much of um, disturbance, difficulties to uh, our function in our daily life. So although avoidance behavior can be a way of coping, but I would say it's a more adaptive way of coping, of adjusting to stresses because it just provides a temporary relief. It doesn't. It it doesn't really, um, cope. It doesn't really solve the main issue, which is anxiety. So by avoiding be avoiding um these social situations, it might not be, um, it might not be fully a good way to adjust to it because, by avoiding it, eventually you still have these anxiety attacks. You still have. Um, in certain times where you have to um, deal with um, social settings, where you have to make social interactions. So that may not be a very good way to adjust to these stresses. Another way of um, of uh, adjusting to stresses that very, I can very much see among um, students is procrastination. Right, so procrastination. Everyone here love procrastinating, love to put things... Um, not, okay, maybe not everyone, but most of people love to put things um, to the la very last minute or to get... Um, to enjoy the, the things that we truly enjoy first and then only to do the things that we struggle that we, you know, we see it as, we see it as something that's um, difficult to do, right? For example, during my days in my university, I would procrastinate a lot because everyone loves to, you know, prefers to, you know, go out to the movies, have, go out with friends, at instead of, um, you know, completing assignments, right? So procrastination can be a very um, happy way to deal with your stresses, but eventually the stresses will, will still be there. For example, the assignment will not be completed um, even though we procrastinate and then eventually the deadline will be here and eventually we'll, we will need to struggle, we will need to go through that um, struggling phase to complete the assignment. So procrastination might not be a, a good way to adjust to these changes. Right. So although as how as as you know um as much relief that you can get or as much as we love to procrastinate but eventually we'll still need to deal with these um things still deal with these stresses so we'll need to um adapt uh, adopt more adaptive adjustment and I'm still learning. Everyone is still learning. And, you know, again, procrastination is so much fun to do. And our mind just loves to prefer, you know, a relief, reward rather than struggles, right? So it's okay to procrastinate sometimes, but of course, we need to be more aware on ourselves, be more, to, be more aware on whether we are doing it in the right way or not. 
Right. Okay. So one of uh, another way that uh, I would like to bring to discussion of um, which I think is a more adaptive way to adjust to stresses is drinking or um, engaging in substance use. So this can be very much significant uh, with people going through a um, very tr- a very um, difficult stressor, for example, going through divorce um, um, or dealing with someone passing, right? So drinking and using substance can be an immediate way to relieve, to temporarily relieve ourselves from these stresses, from this difficulty, from this pain, because drinking and using substance can actually provide us with um, bodily rewards. You know, neurotransmitter is involving those neurotransmitters and um, hormones. So although it does give us a temporary relief, but again, the core issue is still there. And... Um, we still need to find a better way in order to cope with it. So although drinking and using substance, it's... Or some people actually engage in like social drinking, right? But what's the, you know, the function behind drinking? It's a very important thing. So some people engage in drinking just to relieve from their pain, relieve from their memor- their painful memories of things that, you know, they are painful for them. And using substance can be a way for people to um, temporarily relieve themselves as well. But these are not a very good adaptive um, way to adjust to these changes. And drinking and using substance actually costs a lot and costs a lot, not just in monetary terms, in your lifestyle, in your um, society and your social circle can actually cost a lot as well. So we try to imagine that you know, people going through a divorce, they engage in drinking every single day, and then eventually, everyone knows what's going to happen when people, uh, when when the person is drunk, right? Anything can happen. Um, some bad things might happen as well. So, and same goes to substance use. So, this, um, this way of adjusting it can actually cause a lot more harm than good. Although, temporarily, we can feel relief, but eventually, in a bigger picture, they can be have they can have a more lot more harm than good, right? So all these are um, maladaptive adjustment, and with um. So how do you actually you know determine whether the ways we are doing to cope with these changes to adjust to these changes are adaptive or maladaptive? I would say, uh, always look through. I uh, always say look what happens after we um, um adopted these adjustment styles. So, for example, with um pe- people who has um poor adaptive uh, a poor adjustments, right? They can actually result in um some of the sim- some of the issues that I've mentioned earlier. But some of the um, psychological issues that can result result from maladaptive adjustments are like um irritability, um significant mood shift, um poor emotional regulation, poor emotional um negative emotional expression. Um, poor concentration and poor productivity all these are actually symptoms of maladaptive adjustment because uh, try to remember just now that we talked about avoidance behavior right so this can actually result in like poor concentration because we are always thinking of to avoid um this um um or this um stress provoking situations so we can actually um divert ourselves or distract ourselves from the things that we are supposed to do 
which can eventually leads to poor productivity as well. So sleep disturbances can be a significant um, symptoms for maladaptive adjustment as well because our mind can be very much occupied with um, anxious thoughts, um, negative thoughts as we um, didn't really come to a, a more adaptive adjustment. Right. Intrusive memories. Yes, intrusive memories, I would say it's one of the uh, more significant things if we didn't really um, adjust or cope well when especially coming to um, exposure to any trauma. So like persons with PTSD, right, they would actually have recurrent um, memories, recurrent intrusive memories about um, the traumatic experience or they may have flashbacks. So these all are resulted from a maladaptive adjustment, maladaptive um, coping to these um, stresses. Right. And one of the another thing that we can actually observe from people who has maladaptive adjustments are um, social withdrawal and social isolation. So because they they don't have the they don't really um uh, um what's the word? They don't really accept yes, accept to these stresses or accept to the way of their coping, they can actually lead to difficulty um engaging with people and they would see themselves um, they would develop like a sense of worthlessness a sense of um, hopelessness or a sense of um, feeling that they are not good enough they are feeling that they are not useful so this can actually eventually lead to social withdrawal and social withdrawal uh, are actually one of the significant things that we always look for when it comes to psychological disorders because it's one of the most primitive um, um, symptoms that can actually occur to people with um, psychological disorders. Right. So, yeah, so all those are the symptoms and, you know, the types of um, adjustment that I can share, that I can, you know, engage to create more awareness to people going through um changes and so um so maybe you can like you know also think that who are the people that are actually in a um, greater risk for maladaptive adjustment or um, people who may struggle with change or people who may struggle with making adjustment so um, i think just now i've rough uh, i've mentioned many times people um with poor adjustment may may have um the may develop depressive disorders or anxiety disorders, right? Similarly, people with underlying depressive disorders or anxiety disorders may struggle with change as well because they are so um, drawn or they are so um, drawn into their downward spiral of depressive thoughts, of negative thoughts, you know, or um, drawn into um, intrusive and anxious and intrusive um, negative thoughts of anxieties. So they can actually... Um, um, restrict themselves from making adaptive changes. They would very much, um, comfortable, or I wouldn't say very comfortable, but sometimes they can be, they can actually, sometimes, some people may feel comfortable in their depressive state because that's the state where they might feel, no, it's their safe, their, their safe zone because uh, having people going out from their depressive state can be a struggle because it's something they have to make changes to. So these are the people that I may say they may str- sometimes struggle with change. 
some other some other people they may struggle with change um for example people um diagnosed with um, autism spectrum disorder asd so because um the primary um symptoms for asd is rigidity and repetitive behavior so with rigidity so it actually means that they are really quite rigid, restricted to a certain um, routine, certain um, behavior. So um, asking them to change, asking them to adjust to some of the changes can be a struggle for them, especially people with ASD where they are so rigid. where And it's not their fault, you know, because they are diagnosed with ASD. The, the nature of ASD is um, it's the rigidity. So having them um, to change to some... Uh, stresses to the environment can be a difficulty as well and people with perfectionistic traits can actually struggle with change as well um, which I can truly relate because I'm a person who is a perfectionist and for me to to adjust to some changes can be a struggle for example when I'm very much um, used to this particular routine I would very much go in based on this routine and changing routines can I can <laughs> I can be very irritable I can you know have poor concentration I would always think about these changes and having me to change based on something it's very difficult but you know I'm I'm still learning you know it's kind of it's kind of like um it's kind of you know in like a hypocrite right and I'm, I'm struggling with change but yet i'm still um talking with change talking about adjusting to change but you know uh, not everyone is perfect and i'm tr- i'm trying to understand that not everyone is perfect and i myself is trying my best to mm, to make adaptive changes in myself as well lah. okay and i'm just sharing whatever i um, I've gone through whatever I feel like it's gonna be um, beneficial to me and I'm gonna share it with the people with our dear listeners and also in um, and also um, on top of my knowledge in psychology lah. right so persons with um, perfectionistic traits so they can actually struggle with change so people with like OCD um, or sepsis compulsive disorder or OCPD or sepsis compulsive personality disorders can be a can be actually struggling with change as well because going through a routine or going through their rituals actually their safe their safety behavior so they can actually quite struggle when we are asked when we ask them to you know make changes which is quite um which is quite a thing that we have to um keep in mind when we are working with people um with OCD so we have to ensure that they are already ready for change before we ask them to make changes because if they are not ready and we actually ask them when we our treatment um, approaches involve them to make changes can actually be a struggle and can have an adverse effect in our therapy um, plan as well so always make sure that they are ready for change so yeah so people with um, depressive underlying depressive disorders underlying uh, uh, anxiety and disorders people with um, ASD OCD and people with perfectionist trait can actually struggle with change right they may struggle but it doesn't mean that they cannot benefit from change or they wouldn't make any changes it's just that they have to learn the skills learn the proper way to um, adjust to change and at the same time we need to understand that what's um, what's the 
the resistance of them to make changes. So these are some some of the things that we have to um take into concern when it comes to dealing with people when with these clinical um patients lah, right? And that's part of my job. Right. So Right. So talking about adjustment, I just want to briefly introduce one of the DSM five um one of the DSM five um disorder, which is adjustment disorder. Right. So adjustment disorders actually um occurs around between ten to twenty percent of the population. And this statistics actually is based on the US statistic while um the Malaysian statistics or the Asian statistics is not available so it's based on the US and with this um, percentage right they actually found out that most um, um most most um, people with adjustment disorders are actually younger adults or students and students not also and students so I would I was quite curious to you know to further uh, to understand that what's you know what's the reason that younger adults and students are actually more prone to adjustment disorders and eventually, I found out that younger adults, they, um, especially like adolescents, right? So they have, um, and based on the, you know, bodily development, right? They have a much poorer develop, not say poorer develop, they, they have a much slower development in their frontal cortex, in their brain. And the frontal cortex are, um, frontal lobes are the, the, um, lobes in the brain that involves in, um, executive functioning, logical thinking. So with, um, more, um, underdeveloped, um, frontal lobe can actually, um, result in a more, in a more poorer, in a in a less um adaptive way to make adjustments, and they might um adopt a more poorer way to um adjust to these changes. For example, younger adults tend to engage in drinking, engage in procrastinations, and these are the examples of maladaptive adjustment that I've shared before. Right. So going back to the adjustment disorders. So based on DSM five, the diagnostic criteria for adjustment disorders are actually um, the presence of emotional or behavioral symptoms in response to a, an identifiable stressor. And this can actually range from different types of stressors, which um, I explained just now, like um, a change in their lifestyle, a change in their workplace, a change in their environment, um, change in their social circle, a divorce, um, or a death uh, uh, death of a loved one, all these are stresses, and we if these um symptoms actually present within the first three months since onset of the stresses, they can actually fit the diagnostic criteria for adjustment disorder. Similarly, uh, people with adjustment disorders may experience um distress, which is out of proportionate to the severity or intensity of um, the stressor. For example, like people going through divorce, if they're having um, significant, um, overwhelming or exaggerated um, distress, exaggerated frustration, um, grief, um, crying spells where they cry, you know, from morning to night because of a divorce, then these are actually out of proportionate. Or like for example, um, people who lost uh, some some of their loved one, they actually uh, engage in prolonged grief, like more than uh, more than weeks or days or weeks or months. It, it, these are actually out of proportionate, so these can actually um, fit the 
um, diagnostic criteria for adjustment disorder, right? So, and as with other disorders, um, adjustment disorders may um, exhibit an impairment to social, occupational, or other functioning in the person. Right, so with um the current research, right, they actually noticed that, um, people with adjustment disorders, they they can eventually ex experience a fluctuation in diagnostic diagnostic status over the course of twelve months. So let's say they may experience, they may be diagnosed with adjustment disorder within the first three months, and they can eventually being, uh, diagnosed with other type of disorders, like for example, like PTSD or personality disorder. A major depressive disorders or um, panic disorder. So they can, there's some argument saying that uh, adjustment disorder is actually a gateway to other psychological disorders. And the reason why um, adjustment disorder may further develop into different psychological, psychological disorders are the result of maladaptive adjustment, maladaptive coping. So that's why I would like to, you know, um, bring forward these conversations here just to prevent, as a preventive measure from adjustment disorders being developed into a more significant, a more um, distressing psychological disorder. So with people having um, the pre preliminary symptoms of adjustment disorder, we have to put um, a, a clinical concern, you know, a clinical red flag there just so that it doesn't really um, continue to develop into um, a more severe kind of um, psychological disorders. Because the difference between adjustment disorder and PTSD is that PTSD actually um, only be diagnosed after, I think around after six months of onset of the traumatic um, event. But adjustment disorder is within the first three months. So if the person within the first three months is unable to cope with it, and after six months, if the the symptoms are still there, they can act being um there is a gateway for them to be diagnosed with PTSD. So before um they um their difficulties or their distress actually um, being developed um developed into a more um distressing disorders, we have to put a pin on adjustment disorders, the symptoms of adjustment disorders just to prevent it from being developed into a different uh more significant disorder in the future. Right, so I think that's about it for um you know just a brief um not say a brief it quite it was quite comprehensive as well of um introduction la, like into uh, adjustments um difficulties and adjustment disorders so as um, what i would always like to end my um, podcast so i would always like to give solutions for people in order to make an uh, adaptive adjustment so i think uh, just now i've roughly you know touch touch base around how can we um, achieve adaptive adjustment so one of it that i would like to recommend to people is to recognize your emotions Re remember that just now i was saying that um adaptive adjustments can be um the symptoms of adaptive adjustments are proper emotional regulation so by recognizing your emotions doing during those stressing um, time or stressing periods can be a good way to uh, have a proper emotional regulation 
right so for example recognizing that you are frustrated recognizing that you are anxious you are depressed you are having um burnout you are having difficulty to cope with it and it um, irritability poor concentration so recognize all these uh, reflex recognize all these emotions can be a good way for a proper um, emotional regulation because if we don't recognize these emotions how can we able to you know move further for emotional regulation right so emotions as much as how painful it is to recognize these emotions but we have to do it and we have to you know although as mentioned it's although as painful as it is it's it's worth for you to go through the pain is worth for you to go through the process of grief in order to have a more beneficial life in order to move on to accept fully of the stresses and to cope well with the stresses right so recognize emotion naming those emotions i always recommend my patients to have like a naming emotional worksheet where they would um record down um the time when they're having this emotional expression emotional turmoils so we always encourage them to record down what kind of emotions that they are experiencing by recording them down it can actually increase their awareness as well like during this um period Uh, what are the what are the emotion that we have, and what are things that they can do in order to um, um regulate their emotions during that same time, right? So next, I would also um recommend that always understand you know have more insights about your strengths and your cap- capabilities, right? So in order to make adaptive adjustment. Understanding what is best for you, what you can do best, what you can do, um, what are the what are your capabilities is a good way to make um adaptive adjustment. For example, people who are wheelchair bounded, knowing that your hands are still able to do things, your hands are still able to um, push your wheelchair around, and these are good capabilities and these are good strengths, because at although despite Um, your limbs, your lower limbs are unable to move in a more flexible way, but at least your upper limbs are still able to do it. So these are the strengths that you have to empower yourself to actually acknowledge all these strengths. People don't usually acknowledge strength; they will focus a lot on their weakness, on the things they are they they don't do well. For example, I always struggles when people ask me like, "What do you think you do good?" And I believe a lot of people actually struggle with this question as well because they only focus on what things they did that they do bad. But when it comes to um, reflecting about what things that they do good, they can actually struggles a lot, struggle a lot when it comes to that question. So always reflect to yourself what what are the strengths, what are the capabilities that you can do when it comes to those stressful moments. For example, in my past month, as I mentioned, I was struggling in my new environment, right? So my strength that I realized is that I'm able to I am able to recognize my emotion, and that's my strength. I I'm a person who is able to reflect a lot, to make um beneficial reflection, and that's my strength because through reflect, through daily reflection, I was able to recognize the thing that I'm I'm doing good, and then recognize the thing that I'm doing bad, and recognize which are the things that I have to make adjustment to. So and these are my strength. So by so everyone, I would very much recommend you to. Always recognize your strength. Always know. Always look in a in another way to you. 
in yourself. You know, look in the mirror, look in look in front of you. What are the things that you can do well? Right? So next, um, so after recognizing your strength, always search for alternative. So let's say um your way of coping with um some um changes, some stresses. Eventually, you found that you may found that you know it's not good for you. So look, always look for an alternative. Like people um going through a divorce, right? It's a very stressful moment for them. So what are the alternatives that they can do? Maybe um going into a new relationship can be a can actually um fill in their emptiness in them, or people um um who lost someone. Looking for an alternative, for example, um, going, uh, setting up a setting up a memorial for this for these people, um, having some sort of like um, a celebration or a memorial day for these people can be a good alternative to um to express your grief in a more appropriate time in a more appropriate way. So these are the alternatives that we can do, in order to make um adaptive adjustment. And if people, if if for those listeners who you have been struggling with a drinking problem or substance use problem, always search for an alternative. So other than drinking, that actually provide you a sense of relief. So what are other what are the other things that can pro can give you a similar sense of relief? I have some uh, um some of my patients who I who I was. Sil- I was managing and a meeting with that they shared with me that other than just um drinking every day, they actually engage in voluntary work because drinking for them they feel a sense of relief. They feel like their um their their mind is is away. Their mind is free. And I was asking that uh, so I was asking this person like what other other things that you can actually feel that your mind is free, and he actually shared with me that volunteering is a good way to free up his mind because he's focusing on the things that he loves, and that's why he is volunteering. So these are the good uh, alternative ways that you can adopt adopt as well. Because drinking, you can always find things that provide the same the similar sense of relief, um, as those that um, as those mild adaptive adjustment lah. So I when it whenever dealing with people who have a drinking problem, I always ask them, what are the other things that can actually provide you the same the same sense of relief other than drinking? So then we can always explore more on that. So always search for an alternative can be a good way. So you know rigidity can be quite um quite quite a struggle for people. So always search for what other so search for a better perspective as well. You know this. We need a lot of reflection in that, lah. Right. So, in all in all, with these um, different solutions, with these different adaptive adjustments, right, eventually this person will establish a sense of resilience. You know, they will develop resiliency in them, and this resiliency is um, the key to a good adjustment to good adjustment to change. And as mentioned just now, right, a lot of my um, uh, my cancer patients, they actually has good resiliency because they're able to adaptively adjust to these changes. So I can imagine that if people, um, if you guys listen to the listeners, are able to adapt to this, uh, adjust to these changes, then eventually you will develop a sense of resilience, like how I'm 
I'm I'm actually quite proud proud that I'm quite resilient now after a month of dealing with um things happening in my workplace which I don't really want to share a lot you know here and because they might be listening so I don't want to like sh- um throw a lot of shades here so I'm I'm actually quite quite proud that um after some time adjusting to this um this workplace I actually developed a sense of resilience and I actually found. A lot more strength in me because I I became more assertive in making my stand in my workplace. So these are the things that actually develop over time when it comes to adjustment, right? Um, adjustment. Some people may need may need a longer time to adjust to these changes, and it's totally fine that you need a longer time. There's no rush when it comes to adjustment. It's always following your pace. A rushing tool. Adjustment can lead to an adverse effect, as well as I've roughly shared just now, right? So always um, understand that when are you ready for change, and what's the reason that actually promotes your readiness for change. And if people who are not ready for change also reflect to yourself, what is actually stopping you from making that first step, making that first move, taking that first step for change? And is this thing that, and are these thing that you no know, stopping you from change, actually worth, you know, worth to be preoccupied with, worth to be lingering around you with, that actually brought more, um, distress, brought more disturbances to you in your life, and as mu- as painful as it can be, change is painful, and as painful it can be, maybe for the long run you may not. You may not need to suffer from this pain after you have gone through that process of pain, right? Pain is, it's, you know, there's there's a saying that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? So a pain that doesn't kill you, a pain that you have eventually go through with it, is the reason why we are we we will be much stronger. Right, so there was a quote that I can remember. I'm not sure who said it before, but there was a quote saying that, um, a pottery that break, and the pot the the part that is being broken, being sealed together, can be the most can be the strongest part of the pottery, because that's where after we have broken ourselves and then we have, we have the uh, we have gone through the resiliency, you know. We gone through the pain and then we fixed ourselves, which is from the pottery um a metaphor, right? Once we have fixed ourselves, and that can be the strongest strongest part in ourselves, right? Okay, so I think that's all for today. That's for all about uh, adjustments and making adaptive adjustments. So my closing um phrase would be, you know, as much as how painful it is, it's worth the pain. It's worth. Um, your walk is worth the journey. It's worth for you to go through that pain. So, for those who are actually dealing with pain, dealing with struggles, dealing with changes, I wish you all the best. And you can actually eventually you will have find your ways to adjust to them. Right? Okay. So I think that's all for today. You know, after talking so much about you know, um, pain, talking about about um adjustment. So. I hope all the best for everyone, our dear listeners, and you know, hoping that you can make adjustment, uh, adaptive adjustment in your life, right? So I think that's all for today. 
know, thank you for tuning in again. So hopefully, I will be more consistent in my schedule, and hopefully, I can you know, um, bring more topics and and bring more contents, conversations around mental health for people to, to um, to have more insights and more awareness on. Yeah. Okay. So before I close on, just. You know, a gentle reminder that the things that I've discussed here are just for um general educational purposes only, so it doesn't um it doesn't replace the personalized um nature of therapy. So in um in any event that um the things that I've shared here actually elicit any um negative emotional responses, I would um, strongly recommend you strongly suggest you to um search for psychological help. Right, so I think that's all for today. So thank you very much for tuning in. Then I'll see you again. Not see you, but I'll I will talk to you again in our next session. In our next, uh, I'm so used to saying session. Right? Okay, so I'll talk to you again in our next episode. Right. Okay. So that's all for now. I'm Jefferson, and this is the Young Psychologist Podcast. Bye.